This is Comic Picks by The Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Good. How are you doing, Mr. Jason Glick? Oh, I'm doing doing just fine, John. It's like it's it's a great great week, and it's like on, and as I warned everyone uh, um, about at the end of the podcast last week, this one's going to be a total love fest. Alrighty. Oh, well, outside of the scorching heat that we've been experiencing here in Southern California, um, I assume that that hasn't really like detracted from your reading habits or anything. How are you doing with your uh, your haul from Comic Con? Like I just, it's, it's like it's it's been it's still been pretty pretty busy. Yeah. Oh no. Wait, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry. I just Scott just threw up a message at me. Uh, no problem, sir. We're cool. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like, oh my god, the call just ended. No, <laughs> wait, no it didn't. Not quite. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's like, but now so the call is like, going this, to end. No, <laughs> yes. Any second. Any second now. That's how. That's how that's how this connection works. <laughs> Sometimes. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, it's like um, things have been like, doing just like as pace as you can, as everyone can tell from what I was, from all the posting I've done over the last, over the last week. And also, it's like I've had plenty of time to go and reread the topic for this week, which is um, Kiyosh, um, Shimoku Kiyo's um, Genshiken. Now, short version is, is that, you know, it's like if you've ever wanted to wonder about, you know, what my experience um as, in, as part of like the uh, anime club at University of California Riverside was um, back in say the uh, late in the very late nineties and early, early aughts, then you know this is going. This is your explanation. Okay. For everyone else, this is basically Genshin is probably the most um, in-depth um, like uh, you, uh, an examination you'll find of, of otaku culture in it's like in manga today. It's like well, it's like well, otaku um, is basically kind of. Tends to be banded about in, kind of, in sometimes of a, a derivative fashion, in a derivative fashion in the sense that you've got it's basically like meant to describe you know fans with no life fans like these are the guys who you know who um, watch who are basically um, driving the anime industry to ruin who only watch like the porno stuff on TV who just like follow K on obsessively and like just like follow and just like just like eating up all like the uh, the specific, all like the um the fan specific merchandise like the, the like the uh, like the on um, the full size body pillows and it's like and a uh, mouse pads with um with that are made out of, that made to feature girls' breasts as the arrested pads stuff like that. But now and I'm not saying that the guys in Genshin aren't like that. In fact, they're probably just looking at um some of the stuff that's going today and, and like hey, it's like like they like the, like the rest of the world has finally caught up to us. But um but the beauty of Genshin is that it actually still goes goes a long way to showing its characters as you know. As average, and it's like just you know, it was, it's like as as real people, and like not I want to say exactly average fanboys, but they're still. But you get a good example of like you know, they still come up as real people in spite of their particular obsessions. Uh huh. Yeah. Now with uh, now story starts basically as like it, with our characters with um the introduction of our point of view character um Sasahara. He's just joined um just just entered college. And um, there are two clubs on campus. One is like the uh, the manga club, which is like the big, um, which is like the big, like more popular um, anime anime manga manga style club. And then there is the Society for the Study of Visual Culture, named so, and I assume mainly because to get around the fact that you know, you know, we're not just to give it give the sense that you know, hey, we're not just you know about it's not just anime and, and manga club. We're just like you know, we're talking about visual culture, you know. 
But um, but the Genshiken is the uh, is the odd club of the two, and that's and that's the kind of club that I that I helped ran, run for um, for several for a couple of years for for several years at UCR. And um, it's like and you've got and it's like and this is the cult, this is the, the smaller culty club that I get attracts weirdos. I mean, you've got you got Madarame, who was like the uh, uber otaku, who just like who the guy who guy who buys lots of doujinshi doesn't own a single piece of um of porn involving um real real people. You've got um, yeah, you've got Tanaka, the uh, the cosplay fanatic, um Kugiyama, the uh like the it's like the big it's like the big big quiet guy who doesn't really do doesn't really do much of anything. Um you got the president who has just been there for years and years and years and no one's exactly sure like how long he's been there. And also um like other, the other new um um other new member from this from this um cl- for this year, um, like Kosaka, who's um, about as anti-otaku as you can get, in the sense that he's he's good-looking, got blonde, he's got um, dyed blonde hair. Um, he's, he's even got a girlfriend as well, and um, his girlfriend um, Kabe, um, she she can't stand otaku. She is just ultra trendy. She's like the ultra trendy. Um, like I'm, like I'm shop, I'm shopping. Like up on shopping, um, like stylish type, and like she, and like she can't. She's just wondering, you know, why the hell is my is, is man is man I like in? It's like involved with all the, with all these weirdos. <laughs> so, so basically, if, if Sasahara is kind of like the uh, is our point of view character, um, Kasukabe is kind of like the, like the, you know the, everyone like the point of view for everyone everyone else. And and we get and we get the picture of like of of all their particular obsessions. We get we get stuff sort of featuring on co- on cosplay, on model building. It's like on and of course lots and lots of stuff on dojinshi and um and H games. It's like it, like we get to see them go to um you go, go see tackle Akiabar. We get to see them go, attend their version of of, of Comic Hit or the Comic Fest. And there's also and it's like. But um, through it all, it's like we get a lot. Like um, most of these characters are pretty well, are, are generally really well fleshed out over, like, over the course of the volume. Um, even though Sasahara is is set up as our point of view character, he's still, um, it's like he, like he's eventually he eventually becomes president, and he's eventually like the, becomes the uh, driving force to being the um, like these Genjis into applying to um, putting out its first ever um, dojinshi for the for the event and all the uh, trauma and heartache that follows. Um, then there's um, Madarame, who starts off as like he like as the like the kind of like the the, um, the portrait of otaku obsession, like you know the kind of guy who yeah, he's the kind of, he would, you would think he's the kind of guy who gives like otaku dumb a bad name, but he, but as the, uh, the series goes on, he winds up becoming probably its most developed and um, sympathetic me- member, almost tragic member as a matter of fact, because because he winds up developing this crush on Kasukabe that is. That is slow, slowly, meticulously realized. That you know, it's like you realize that, that you know he, that this is that he he really does love her, but he's it's not ever going to be not just because she's already dating a guy she really likes, but also just because like you know his personality just can't get him to uh, just just can't get him to actually uh, you know like try to pursue it or just like you know like try to actually like you know go after any girl in the first place. That's that becomes less true in the new series, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, now with um, and then you've got then there's Kasukabe, who I mean she I mean like yeah I mean like she I mean like her her character could have been like cruel like just a cruel joke you know like the person who hates otaku and is just kind of like you know at like 
against them at every every turn. But but Shimoku also might manage to find a way to humanize her her as well. But she doesn't necessarily come around to their way of thinking. She doesn't become an otaku herself. But she does um, mellow out to a surprising degree as she gets as she becomes like you know like um, more involved with these people just by association and after uh, and after a um, fire event. And if she she starts a fire um, accidentally um, after cleaning out the uh, cleaning out the, the, uh, the Genshin's uh, um, homeroom. Now, oh, and she also she also winds up on being um, like forced into cosplay at two different points in the series, which is which is which is pretty hilarious for the most part. Especially once, especially during the first time, she winds up proving um, especially adept at um, capturing the essence of her character without even realizing it. Exactly, she has a. Uh, um her reasons for being there were initially very selfish. Oh, yes. Um, and then warms up just a little bit. You see cracks on the exterior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like, that's, that's the, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the best thing about, about the series, that they, that all the characters, um, do, do express a certain amount of development and growth over the course of the series. And this goes, also goes for the new characters as well that, that pop up. There's, um, Ono, the, cos- the other, the female cosplaying fanatic who could be, could be seen as a, uh, you know, a, like a horrible, like um, you know, like um, bone. She's like, like, fetches the big-breasted um, fan girl who likes bald, bald, and bearded men in her mm-hmm. in her. She, I mean, that could have been a horrible, like um, like bone to fan base. But you know, it's like, like she's still portrayed like as someone who has like, a real love for the for what she does. And there's also the fact that you know I, that um, hey, I actually did attend um, uh, that in the club. We actually did have a girl who was um fairly well endowed who actually did like um caught. Like cosplaying to, like to a to a degree as well. <laughs> then you've also got um, Kai Kuchiki who, who joins the series series about midway. He becomes a regular character midway through, and he's he's kind of like he's like that, that 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 annoying guy that you couldn't stand in club. The one who just like has no <laughs> self restraint, who, like, who had no problem with reading porn out in out in front of everyone. Like no no shame in what in anything that he does. We had a guy yeah. like that in our Japanese class, actually. <laughs> and that, this guy he's everywhere. Uh-huh. And even and but even as the thing goes on, he eventually even I wouldn't say he's the mellow out at all, but you know it's like you kind of get used to him. You kind of like except like you know this guy has his has its place, and that people all and the characters all find find ways to deal with him deal with him as well. It's like he, I, be- like he I, I believe that the club initially rejected him, and then he pops up again. Is that not correct? Yeah, I think like event like he tried joining the um the other club on campus. They couldn't. They they couldn't stand him, but bizarrely, it's like once he shows up again, he um, it's like he he tries like saying, "Oh, I've been training so I can fight, find beat Kosaka in um, fighting games." That turns out to be a huge lie because as soon as um as um Kasukabe shows up, she says, "Oh, it's um oh it's Kuchi," and she's like, and "He's like, oh, that's what I've been for someone to call me by my chosen nickname," <laughs> and that and that's what gets him to stick around the club for like for the uh, like. For for the duration, but the um, the most substantial um, of the new additions is um, is Ogie. The uh, she's a uh, she's she's introduced to us as someone who, as a, as someone who started to join the who initially joined the manga club, but then jumped out of the uh, of the club's second story window um, after getting into a disagree into a violent disagreement with the um, other female otaku in that club. And so they foisted her off onto the Genshin, and she introduces herself as um, Chika Ogue, and she hates otaku. 
because she is because she is like the, the like the most um, ravenous kind of um, Fujoshi fangirl. That's the kind of girl who likes um, yaoi or gay porn. But she is so deeply in the closet about hiding her like her particular desires that that puts her at odds with you know with, with the entire with the rest of the club and it's like and herself. And but as we go on, we find we get we um we get more. We finally find out, you know, just why she's so bent out of shape about this, and it's like, and she slowly starts, and she slowly starts to mellow out as one. That and it's also through her that like the uh, whole message of this this series, like you know, basically, Genshin is a series about just you know coming, like accepting, like you know what, you, like what you love for, like for for what it is coming in terms, like you know what what do you like, and being able to like you know not hide from this kind of from it, but just, you know, fully embrace it. Because, I mean, Sasahara, when he's introduced, he's just kind of like, you know, I've always been interested in this kind of, like, this weird, pervy stuff. I've never been had to embrace it. But, um, but he eventually, like, you know, becomes president, puts out a doujinshi, and becomes, also becomes, winds up getting a job as an editor, as manga editor, um, at this, at this agency. Um, Kosaka, like, eventually winds up, um, like, um, um, becoming a programmer at an, at an H, at an H game company. Um, it's like uh, on Casa Kaibe, well, you know, she winds up like, pursuing her dreams as like, as a fashion, as we say, a fashionista, opening her own um, clothes, clothing store. I mean, Og- an Ogie, she, like she like, like she's had a passion for creating manga and um, and doujinshi as well, and she winds up full- being able to like um, turn that into a full full time pursuit as it goes on. So, so it's so I many like that's so it's got a, so it's got a real. Real great positive message, and you know, I guess like the um the one thing that that like, counts against is that you know just like that that you know, but it shows that they, you know, the one person who isn't able to come to terms with um you know with his with his desires, Madarame, is kind of like the one the one who doesn't really doesn't have the like the whole the unequivocally um positive hap, happy ending. But still, Genshin volumes um one through nine or um Omnibio, um one through three are like are some of the best and most entertaining um like um works of fiction you'll be able to find about. It's like about otaku culture. It's like it's like it doesn't hide from all the worst, from all the from all the worst excesses of fandom, but but it doesn't really it doesn't actually rub your nose into into it. In a, it's like to a to a off off putting extent. Um, well, if you want that, you'll you can probably turn into the um, second season of the uh, of the anime. Which you know, it's like I really like. It's really that the anime that got um, myself and John into the series because we saw the first saw the first um, season of the anime. Great stuff. Had some lots of classic moments, and um, it's like, and it was, and it's like, it's, it's that's highly recommended throughout the. It's like, like to anyone, to, to, like to, any, to anyone who hasn't seen it already. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like my and I, Delray, and my um, eternal gratitude for bringing this over, bringing the series over to English once. It's like once I had seen it. The second season isn't quite as good, and it's got it's so. It still adapts manga, falls manga fairly closely, but there's still a bit more indulgence in terms of the fans, fan service. Because now the series is established. It's like you get, they they got a better idea of what will play better to its like to its audience. They kind of like um, went into that that a bit more. It also um, it also ends at a fairly awkward point without resolving um, its one of its major plot plot threads, basically involving um, Ogie's history. So. So, you know, first season, great. Second season, well, it's like if you're a completist, I might as well pick it up. Now, yes, go on. No, 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 no. I agree with you completely. (laughs) Okay, but, you know, this brings us to, like, the whole reason I'm I'm doing this podcast in the first place, and that is is because after um, completing all nine volumes, 
um, 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 Kyo Sensei over to doing do a new series, and then he came back to doing um, more Genshin, which um, in Japan they just picked it up. From, it's now um, like you know, Genshin Volume Ten, Eleven, and so on. Here, though, in America, I think that I appreciate um, Kodansha Comics for um, releasing this as Genshin Second Season because that, that way you can keep the uh, initial se- initial series as its own entity, and then this one, while still thoroughly tied to the original. I can also be able to stand on its stand on its own, and yep. and this second this this first one of this new series, on one hand, it's like it, it a lot of it plays a lot like you know like like um, Kyo hasn't lost lost a step at all. It's like he's still he's still got the character voices down. The new most of the, the new characters are are pretty. It's like it's like are are very very well well defined. It's like and a lot just like it has the same feel as the original. As it goes off, the original as the original series, like it's like you know, just come back, seeing your friend, like seeing all your good friends again, and everything's great. It's like short version, it's a lot more like um like like Battle Angel Lita Last Order than it is Gunsmith Cat's Burst. <laughs> so, however, though, it comes with one. There is one big thing that dominates this volume, and um. And I'm not talking about the um, the affection that um, Kyo Sensei has has developed for um, Bakemono Katari. I'm talking about <laughs> uh, I'm talking about the it's one of its its um, most distinctive new member um, Hatokun, who is basically who is in the modern parlance a trap. Yeah, he's basically we find out that um, like well Genshin gets two new girl members um, like in its new in its recruitment drive. It also gets a third girl. Who eventually is revealed by, by Kuchiki to be to actually be a guy, and you know it's like that that's cool and all, but at the same time though it's like it's really hard to uh, just to feel whether or not like is this it's like it, like are we actually dealing with a real character here um, versus like you know like some kind of like then then Shimoku trying to appeal to like to, like to fandom because like you know fandom loves traps to death and. A lot of what we see in this volume does kind of feel like we are getting getting that more than any kind of like serious examination of trans, transgender issues. Like we like we find out that um, Hatokun basically um, is basically like a fundashi, a guy who likes who likes yaoi, and um, we're and like he's and he's invested like a lot of effort in becoming a uh, into into his into his trappedness. And um, to the point where, where one of the uh, girl members like she's just kind of like you know I always think like even though she's kind of like. Like, 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 kind of, kind of stocky, not very feminine. She always kind of figured that you know, hey, I'd still be more feminine than a guy, and this guy's like far more girly than than I'll ever be. So, <laughs> so you get, a lot of, you get a lot of some comedic mileage from his from from situation. With at the same time, it's like I said, it's it's kind of frustrating to see him to see his um his appreciation. His love of um of um boys love and and straight out yaoi do, dojinshi, and then like seemed like to have them all play this up, to have him even like you know fantasize about you know like um like him being paired with um with um with Madarame, it's like in an objective sense, um and just and because like with Madarame um being the um the doormat that he is, one's because he lives the closest. He lives like five minutes away from everyone. Like once he um, gets his own place, like he he, he winds up being um, being um, press ganged into having his place used into, to getting letting Hato Hatokun as his use his place as his changing room for um, to he can change into his girl into his gr- into his girl girl gear for the Genshin meetings. So 
so but um then when he's um but then when he's alone with um, with Madarame, it's like you know he's like he's still got all these like like thoughts in his head manifested by this this girl by this um female apparition who represents his jolly side but you know as he's like you know, we've seen all this this stuff about him like you know um trying to uh like you know, professional love for boys love to Jinchi, thinking about you know the various situations that um he encounters with that that, that changing Madarame's room would lead to he just says oh but I'm not gay and you know it's like it just it just seems kind of like it's it's like it's all it, that the whole thing just feels at odds with what we've been shown so far. I mean, it could. I'm willing to suspend disbelief that that um, Kyo Sensei is, is um, intended to be deliberate. That that this is that you know that that Haruto Kun is actually going to force to be you know reconcile his. It's like you know his like his thoughts with you know with with um, with reality in general. But but as it is, it still feels kind of kind of frustrating and like he's like we're not like even though it's like he's he's certainly well developed he's not quite at the same level of realism that the or believability that the uh that the main cast had oh the uh i, I i've read the same volume i don't I, I tend to well my biggest it was almost as if uh you know um uh He's being apologetic for it in this volume. Like, you know, it, it seems to be really heavily emphasized, even over the other new characters in that are were introduced to. Were introduced to. Uh now uh, you know, uh from the previous roster, if you will, to this roster, we're now girl heavy and guy light. Yes. Which yeah, that seems like another like, example of the changing tides of fandom that, you know, like it's all that you know, you you've got to have like all these series to feature like girls in there. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're going to be succeed. And on one hand, that actually makes um, bizarrely that actually makes Kuchiki um, more like likable in the sense that even though you've got all this like you see, get the feeling that maybe this is catering to like to otaku taste, you still got Kuchiki in the background who's saying "muhaha," not my own harem now. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's kind of fun to observe him. It's like his his reactions to this like to this new all girl uh this, this new all, almost all girl Genshin except almost except for him yeah exactly exactly it's just interesting you know uh, and when I say uh, kind of apologetic about it, he spends a lot of time you know uh, especially with the one new character of the club uh, she compares herself to him you know. Yeah. And is is is, and and we're we're led through this whole dialogue where he's I think he passed out or is sleeping or something. He's, yeah, they, they and, and, after, 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 the, the three new members of Genshin, uh, like the stocky girl. Actually, I got the book right here. It's like, there's Yajima, there's mm-hmm. Yoshitaki, yeah, the energetic one, and mm-hmm. um, and Hot, they all they all get together at at um, Yajima's apartment in order to um like get together put together their profiles for the club. They want to get they want up drinking, passed out. Jima wakes up and sees Hatokun's like gloriously feminine body in front of her. Mm-hmm. And that and and uh there's that and then and then there's a whole another section, you know, uh with Metarame. That that uh you know, Metarame where you know, it's like this dialogue is taking place. Like people are you know, that's what I mean by kind of like apologetic. I mean it it's like we've spent all this time trying to establish like this character in particular. And, and and you know, and even though the other characters might be interesting, one is a rehash from the earlier series. It was um, uh, what's her name's American uh, friend. Oh yes, yeah, Susanna. 
Susanna. Sue, right. Uh, you know, who, uh, you know, seems to be making only a little bit more sense in these in this volume compared to the previous ones. Um, I guess that that uh, was supposedly a uh, the way that uh, they wanted to portray her, you know. We had to understand, being in America, that she's in Japan and that she doesn't know Japanese very well. Now yeah. that doesn't even. Well, she, 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 she doesn't know. She doesn't know Japanese as well as she lets on. Yes, that's uh, that's that's a better way of putting it. Um, in this uh, in this volume, uh, we don't actually even get any hint of that whatsoever, outside of the fact that hey, maybe she is just an otaku who's just you know quoting things and dressing weird, you know. Yeah, of course she I mean, always. She always did have kind of a weird streak to her, but you know, but yeah, but, like, you know. I think, uh, oh, go, no, ahead, I, go ahead. I just want to say the thing with her character. It just seems like you know, it's like the one thing. I mean, yes, she is probably like the, she's easily the least realistic character um, in the entire series. But at the same time, I can't. I just can't stop myself from thinking that you know maybe there are like you know just some American fanboys and maybe even maybe even a fangirl or two who probably do try to go to Japan and try to get by just by using um. I catchphrases as she does right there. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I can't ever figure out like who uh, who she's supposed to be modeled after because I could, you know, um, in the original series, I could absolutely like imagine this character, you know, as unrealistic as she. I've never actually. I don't think I've actually met anyone like that. Although I've been to a lot of anime conventions. <laughs> you know, no. Maybe they like reveal their true selves in Japan. Strangely enough, yeah. Well, I imagine that people are people no matter where you go, even though you know one culture has its you know differences than the other. You know, what we consider weird may not be weird. You know, but mm. uh, you know, in some you know, and maybe in the Japanese culture. Oh, okay, that's cool. We can eat unagi. We know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's it. Uh, I can't really speak to the other characters as they weren't addressed as much as, uh, you know, maybe I would like to have talked about, you know. Um, it, it's easy to grasp their personalities. But even then, it's like, I mean, Hato-kun really kind of dominates this volume. Like, even, even the development of the other girls is kind of, like, handled in context with him. Yeah, there is even a cameo, if you want to put it that way, of um, uh, uh, whose is it? Whose sister is it? Um, Kosaka. Oh, uh, um, Sasahara's Ka- sister. Sasah- Sasahara's sister, and 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 what is the bottom line of that encounter? It's it's she's walking into the Genshiken club room, and who's sitting there? It's Metarame. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but seriously, <laughs> that to me, it's like, and then and what's the bottom line of that conversation, you know? Yeah, so you're just like, we're just relating a whole plot point from the previous series, which, you know, I will, I will admit that, that it's, that, that kind of like, that that's still fertile territory for that, for them to be mined. But, yeah, um, and, and I almost felt like maybe, hey, they could, they could kind of pull a little bit in that, of that in there. I wouldn't mind, you know, seeing that, but... Um, you know, uh, you know, now they're trying to build something else maybe out of it. I don't know. Or he yeah, I get, I get the feeling like, it, that whole, like, that whole encounter with, um, Tassara's sister does kind of like set up, set up, you know, like what's going to be the thrust for, um, Madarama's character for this series that, you know, he's got to get over his, um, like his infatuation with Kasakabe. And, um, you know, that's going to be like, you know, like he's finally going to like, you know, start playing for the other team or just, you know, it's like, 
realized, like, you know, I've got to, like, you know, go, go do something completely different. Find myself, you know, like, a non-otaku girlfriend as, um, like, like her. But, um, it's, it's still, it's too early, it's too early to tell, but, but I'd say I'm, but I'm optimistic that we're going to, that we'll get some decent material out of this particular thread. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, we'll have to see how, uh, how things develop, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully we get, uh, you know, good character expositions out of other people, too. <laughs> Indeed. Well, one last thing before, before we wrap this up, um, mm. the, uh, first, the initial series of Genshin was translated by um, by David Urie, who um, his translation it, it's good enough. I mean, it's like it can best be described as workmanlike, as is the um, his translation notes back, back of each volume, which kind of trying to give you the, the bare minimum of it's like of what of what you need to know as far as the otaku ref, references. They get, they get a bit more detail as things go on, but mm-hmm. but it's like I mean, it's like it's first first volume, the first series is you know good, it's good enough. And it gets better as it goes along. Second, this first try of the new series is translated by um, by Stephen Paul, who I've actually seen in person several times at at Comic Con at the uh, Lost in Translation panel. And okay. he's got, and his and his work is a bit is a bit more is a bit more loose, reads a bit bit smoother. And his translation notes are, it's like are also more more prolific prolific as well. Okay. It's like it's, but still, it's like I can't help but in rereading this like entire series, I just can't help but feel that you know this series. Um, more than anything else, other series I've read probably deserves a, a Carl Horn translation, because as, as someone who like who is a huge fanboy himself, who has like got an encyclopedic knowledge of like of otaku culture, it's like and also like is willing to like, go the extra distance for like you know for making a translation read it's like read well in colloquial English. Like look at the crew, uh, look at the Kurosaki Corpse Delivery Service. I would have loved to have seen what he what he did with a series that is that is like so that is so um, fanboy or otaku oriented in nature. It's like we're probably never gonna get to see gonna get to see that, but still, it's like I, I can dream. Uh, yeah, yeah. Always makes you wonder, right? I mean, it's too bad this isn't a dark horse title. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, the, the other sad truth is uh, this was a dark horse that if Genshin was initially published by Dark Horse. We probably wouldn't have gotten past Volume Three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a sad, sad, ugly truth, right there. Yeah, so true, so true. But this one is Kodansha Comics. You know, um, I don't know if uh, the gentleman you mentioned is a regular part of their translating staff or whatnot. Um, uh, Steve, you know. Stephen Paul, he does all sorts of stuff. He does. He's a guy who does Yotsubato and oh, okay. um, like plenty of plenty of other. He, he's he's pretty prol- prolific from what, from what I understand. Like he also did the um, the, the um, new edition of Azumanga Daio from Yen. Oh, I you know what I have the omnibus for that. So um, and I yes. did notice a definite difference. I've had I own the um, I own the uh, uh, what do you call it the uh, the uh, the ADV mangas. You so know, do and I. I. And I did it. And I and I bought the um, I bought the uh, uh, the omnibus because I was like, oh okay, hey look, it's um, it's it's done by Young Press. And and I looked through. It, I was like, hey, you know, and I did some side by sides. And you know what things. A little bit more contextually better. Let's put it that yeah, way. it's like I mean, it's like I like the fact that you know, like in Azumanga, that they're released, they're released learning, they're learning that in in the new new edition, they're released, they're they're that they're learning English, not Spanish, in the first volume. But there were also a couple little things that I did like from the little very specific things that I remember from the he translation that, that I liked, like um, Tomo calling um, Yukari like yo, hey Yukari baby, at one point. And I can I can understand that that seems more like. 
more um, like more tomo speed than saying than than literally translating it as as Yukari Chan, or when um, Sakaki is reaching underneath the car to get um, to get the uh, to get um, Kami Neko, and she's like, she reaches and then she says, "Oh, it's a Nibbler," and um, as opposed to like this one, I think it's like this one bites um, mm-hmm. in the uh, in the new new edition, but it's like it's very mm-hmm. very specific, very specific. And like I said, I like, like I said, I like like Paul's tra- translation translation work here, yeah. but it's like, but you know, it's like still, it's like, um, like I said, I'm always going to be wondering, like, you know, it's like, you know, what, what if, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's always it's always a, an interesting debate, you know, um, one that I've. I really don't talk about too much, but it's like, you know, there are certain author or certain translators uh, and maybe it's the publishing house that encourages them to do that, to be, you know, to, to, you know, smooth out the (laughs) phrases, so to speak. You know what I mean by that? (laughs) Make them more relevant to our culture, you know? And, and, and it's like I said, it's like, it's like slicing uh, slicing hairs at this point, but um, sometimes yeah, but- it is. Sometimes, though, I mean, there are some valid points to be made. I'm not going to deny that. You know, um, you know, maybe we should take it literally, and maybe have the translation of what that uh, you know colloquialism actually means. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's probably a a, a large podcast uh, for another day. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I my my general feeling on the whole whole thing is like, while I do prefer things to be as accurate as possible, if you're as um, funny and witty as Carl Horn, then it's not going to matter. There you go, there you go. Uh, and with that, well, that'll wrap it up for your uh, comments on Genshin's second season. Yes, yes, it will. It's like that's that's it for now. And next next time, we'll be back with uh, my thoughts on Mark Wade's um, super. Like superhero re- redemption, it's like redemption and and destruction series, um, irredeemable and um, incorruptible. All right, and we'll catch you next time. Later.